It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Shutdown Full Cast. Oh, welcome to the internet's only college football podcast. How are we feeling this week? We're about to we're about to do some historicalizing. We're about to do some review of uh, one of the most outstanding flash of the pan brief periods in this sports illustrious quirky history. But you know, before that, how how are y'all feeling? Tell me, what's on your heart? Business. That's what's on my heart. Wow. Never sleep. Well, Podcast business. business lightning round. Podcast business. <laughs> Podcast June, business. What's June twenty first, Ann Arbor, the downtown public library, seven p.m. Zero dollars to get in. Capacity is limited, so if you can't get in, we're sorry. Shut down full cast live with special guest Mgo Blog. Sunday, 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 except not that day. I believe it's a Saturday. Is it a Friday? Friday, okay. which is like a Saturday. Definitely June twenty first, though. That's they the important the, they part. They said the Big Ten doesn't do Friday, but guess what? Now they do. Friday night lights at the library. <laughs> Friday night books. That's what we're calling it. Lights, Friday. so you can read. Friday night reading lights. And Arbor's lit with reading lights. <laughs> <laughs> They're also good for seasonally effective depression. Y'all think we're joking. We've never told a joke on this podcast, and neither is the part where we are shutting down the public library in Ann Arbor on a Friday night in June. I actually Woo! don't I, I actually don't think we're shutting it down, which is funnier to me. I think No, no, it's it's our the library closes at nine and our show is from seven to oh. nine. 
Okay. Yeah. I just no. I, like I mean, shutting down it. as in a bar, not like we're barring all entry. To yeah, the bro. Library. We're buying out the bar of all its books. I like the idea that there will be like grad students coming to do work there, and we'll be doing our stupid podcast. I think yeah. we're on right after yoga, actually. So there's oh, a there's if if memory serves, there's a su- sushi demonstration going on, uh, maybe contemporaneously or shortly before. Well, if you're at the sushi thing, bring it on over. Yeah. Yeah, so that does conclude podcast business lightning round. Step into the library. Shut the club down. Lightning over. Business over. The skies are clear. But what about the thunder? Oh, we're, but J- Jason <laughs> the, Kirk the, is about the big bloody thunder. Yeah, Jason huh. Kirk's about to bring that. Is thunder. anybody prepared? Did anybody bring the thunder? So, uh, as you, if if you, dear listener, have looked at the title of this episode, you have surmised that we are doing another Blood Week episode. Blood Week. Semana de Sangre. Save that for when uh, El Asico goes wild, right? <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> As if one of those teams would ever be ranked. Thanks, um, th- by the way, thanks for Ryan for just coming in here like somebody in a Sergio Leone Western before the gunfight, right? Like, <laughs> no! He is, his his blood type is spaghetti. It's good in, <laughs> it's good in French, too. Semana de Sangre. My, bod t- my body type is spaghetti chestern. I said blood type. So uh, the concept to, to briefly to briefly recap is when all the bu- a bunch of top ten teams are losing all at once, and there's a bunch of upsets all at once, and everything's going to hell. And all of you celebrate it by adding us and yelling "Blood Week." Yeah, keep it coming, keep it coming. If you think you are experiencing a Blood Week, you are probably not, because there's probably a worse one still to come. That's how college football works. This week we are doing bowl season. Bowl season is, in fact, just to be uh, overly precise, not a week. Uh, except in the eyes of the Lord, to whom a day is as a thousand years, uh, and which is also the amount of time since Minnesota's won a national title. Um, so we're going to be looking at this from a few, uh, a few different ways. Um, the other thing about bowl season is that teams are, as Ryan has pointed out, more more evenly naturally matched up in a bowl season than they are in the average college football weekend. Meaning, like Syracuse doesn't have the chance to upset Clemson because they are not playing Clemson because Clemson is in the playoff. Syracuse will never be in the playoff. Yeah, you're um, not going to you're not going to get you will get ranked unranked teams, but it'll be like number 21 playing an unranked. You're not going to get like number 4 versus unranked team. Yeah, it's you you got to go way back in the record books for weird shit like that. And top 5 teams have lost to unranked teams in bowls before, but that ain't going to happen anymore. The Power Five has uh, sufficiently insulated itself from. Uh, well, what from... about what about a couple years ago when um, t- uh, highly ranked Auburn lost to unranked UCF in a bowl game? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do, yeah, I definitely recall there being no number by UCF. <laughs> That's the, the level of. They definitely yeah. just made the Peach Bowl just because the Peach Bowl uh, personally invited them. Yep. <laughs> They didn't. They didn't. You know, have to be there based on lawsuit avoiding regulations that the CFP imposed on itself. Just naturally showed up. <laughs> um. So I think because of that, and because at least for the last twenty something years, the title game takes such uh, it, it stands so tall over the rest of bowl season that I think we got to limit this to years in which the number one team lost. Uh, and that has happened in in either a bowl game or a title game. 26 times on my count. That doesn't include playoff semifinals, so it's probably a little bit more. And that's actually more than I expected. 
I mean, if you think about it, there have only been formally organized title games since the mid-90s. So that's, that's kind of a lot, I thought. But we can narrow it down a lot further. Let's go with, uh, I looked for title games in which uh, the underdog won, making Vegas wrong by 28 or more points. This has happened six times ever. Um, and, well, by title game, I mean number one team lost its bowl game, because obviously it wasn't a thing until recently. Uh, so for each of those, I looked through the rest of bowl season to find the one that best fit the concept of blood week. Um, so real quick, here are the five seasons that did not rank as the bloodiest bowl season ever. We're going to start with 1977. Classic. Spencer, what was it like back then? <laughs> when Spencer, oh, was, he was, Spencer born. was nine years old. You were born, weren't you? I just started smoking. And- <laughs> Of course, Spencer was a Texas fan, which was doubly hard for him because number one Texas lost to Notre Dame by 28. It was a dark day for my Longhorns. Wait, you were were you alive then? Yes, I was. <laughs> I was alive then. I was I was a little over a year old. So smoking. Okay. So so of course, as a Texas fan, started smoking. Yeah. Make per it strong. Ten, per, per Tennessee state law. Per Tennessee state law, I was taught the lyrics to Rocky Top, and a Marlboro was inserted in my mouth. It's just a passy. I um I like that we recently, or at least I recently realized that uh, three of us are old millennials, and Spencer is technically a different generation. Yeah, this is just fun all around. Yeah, I'm here to guide you. We're all crust. We're all coots. Is you're the, the decou tree, Spencer. Congrats, Spencer. Spencer you're here to you're here to like slap the avocado participation trophies out of our hands. And all I'm the old, I'm the old man in the road with the shopping cart who's like, why plan for the future? I never did. Spencer's like, get off your damn phones and get a job. I didn't fight in Korea for this. Spencer's and by like, fight in Korea, I mean loans. <laughs> I didn't fight in Korea for much. I'll tell a, you. I that. was gonna say a brawl in Bennigan's in, in Seoul <laughs> on a layover. It counts. That's fighting in Korea. Man, listen, Koreans love Bennigan's. It's true. Go look it up. (laughs) So, uh, Oklahoma fan, you really like that part about number one Texas losing by 28, right? Well, you lost by 25 to Arkansas, uh, thus ensuring Notre Dame of the national title. So, number one and two lost by a combined 53 points. We're off to a roaring start here. Uh, also, number four, Michigan, you lost to number th- 13, Washington, and number 17, A&M, you got your ass kicked by USC. 1977, n- not a lot of bowl games. I think that's the thing that sets apart the old seasons is like, <laughs> this is like a third of the bowl games were massive upsets. So, good job. Uh, we're going to skip over the 80s, not because they weren't wild, but because it was just a fucking crab bucket of a decade. Like, every title game was, you know... A really good team squeaked past another really good team. There were tons of, I think, six of the ten title games that year were veritable title games, were upsets. Um, Just because it's a decade in which every team played hard-ass schedules and no one really made it out all that unscathed. We're going to go to 1992, the first ever official title game. Um, This was when Miami was favored over Bama, but Bama won. Vegas was wrong by 29 points. Uh, we also had number four, Texas A&M, getting its ass kicked by Notre Dame by 25. Three other ranked teams losing upsets by 15 or more each. And two other ranked teams losing to unranked teams. Whoops. So the proto-BCS era started off with a big old mess. Perfect. 
Uh, can anyone tell me what happened in 1996's uh, title game? Oh, I can. I can. <laughs> can, can you? Can What's you? up? Do you recall? Do, do you mean the 95 season with the 96 that finished in 1996? No, 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 no. The 1996 season that finished in 97. Oh, 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 that would be uh, the University of Florida beating Florida State 52-24 in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, we're going for the opposite experience of the previous year. That's yes. the first year of college football history. <laughs> it is. It's amazing. <laughs> Steve Spurrier said, let there be light. Let there be Coors light. <laughs> that's, that's right. Hey, listen, when Danny Werfel scores a rushing touchdown on you, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's certainly not his. No, 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 no. You, you. Speaking of light, somebody left the door open, and he waltzed through it with a leisurely five nine forty time. And on yeah. the sixth day, Danny Werfel finally scored. <laughs> this was uh, based on just the numbers and not the overall historical context. This was the most shocking result in a number one team's bowl game ever, based on Vegas. Wrong by thirty nine points. Good God. Uh, you know, there. I think there are a couple other title games you could argue were more shocking once you consider who the programs were and all that. But this is right up there. The only thing about the only reason this doesn't merit. Hey, what's up, dog? Let it. Let, let's uh, FSU FSU dog. <laughs> FSU Twitter logged on. He better. He, he better be Union. War Judd was underutilized in that game. <laughs> Just want you to know. That's uh, when I knew Bobby had to go that early. <laughs> yeah, a whole decade ahead of time. He washed up, get his ass out. Of <laughs> need Chuck Amato in charge. Uh, hey guys, it's <laughs> like like Brady Hoke with uh, with better shoes and a chain. Chuck Amato also a dog, just wearing sunglasses. Blitz, that, we, blitz, man, that would explain blitz, some shit. Blitz, blitz. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Is this a good time to detour into the soundtrack for Secret Life of Pets 2? Oh, God. Because <laughs> those commercials have been coming at us a lot during the NBA Finals. Yeah, that's been troubling. Um, so, what were the, Jason, I want to hear about the rest of the 96 bowl season, though. So, uh, I mean, there's... Here's the thing about 96. It was kind of just huge shit at the top, but everything else was pretty chalky. Number four, Ohio State beat number two, Arizona State, ensuring, you know, a unanimous title for Florida. And then there were just only a couple of. God, I, I, listen, I wish we had lived in a split Arizona State, Florida. (laughs) If Arizona State had beat the shit out of Ohio State. Like, that's, man. It's like the double Spider Man pointing at the other one. Except both both Spider Men's dicks are out for some reason. (laughs) Academic Titans. What do you mean for some reason? (laughs) So the two Spider Men are having sex. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. One of the Spider-Men just bent over one of those crates. Bro, this is so great. I'm so excited if, if to be here. like, wait, how did I get left out of this? <laughs> and Ohio that State, is... too. Damn, there's a lot of academics at the top of these rankings. <laughs> this is, sexy academics. This is like peak sun. Like that year is pretty much like peak big dumb sunbelt school, right? Yeah. Like that's It's like peak skin cancer rating for, for college a, football. Like, like it's a big booty base here. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a great way to put it. So, yeah, the uh, Secret Life of Pets soundtrack. Um, At least as portrayed on the commercials. Yeah, they're using, oh, I don't know, one of the two, three, four, five most problematic DMX songs, which is saying a goddamn lot, in a, in a kid's movie about animals. There's, an, there's a whole verse about, like, you know, murdering gay people. 
in the song and they're just 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 playing it like it's Which nothing we all know that's what ferrets do are there ferrets in this movie jesus <sighs> i don't know I still argue ferrets aren't pets. They're just animals that live in your house. I'm excited to get sued by The Secret Life of Pets too. That's not a curveball I saw coming, but if that's what kills this podcast, like, kind of here for it. Bring it. We've all I tried mean, our best to kill this podcast ourselves, and clearly it ain't working. And, it, some- took, and it took the power of DMX, as we all foresaw. I mean, I've always said any lawsuit is good for business. Wait, so. wait, Jason, that means you'd be dying at the hands of an earl. That's that's only fitting, yeah. Earl had to die. Yeah, there, 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 yeah, there can only be one. Uh, let's see. So that year, nineteen ninety six, Florida wins a shocking upset to win a national title. Let's skip ahead exactly one decade. To do, to Spencer or Ryan, do you know what happened in two thousand six? Yep. Second yeah. Year, second year of college football history. Yeah. 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 I see people are sleeping on Florida again. I believe the line in the Florida Ohio State game. I want to say it was seventeen. Oh, it was nowhere near that big, no. Oh, okay. Oh, no, what, sorry. What I'm thinking of is a friend I was going to law school with who texted me before the game said, Ohio State's going to win this game by 21. Ted Ginn scores on the opening kickoff and says, he texts me again and says, I probably underestimated it. And then I waited to text him until the end of the game. Smart. It was deeply satisfying. Smart. Slow hand. I like Tur- it. Turns out my law school friend, not the same as a Vegas odds maker. <laughs> I think the line was right around a touchdown. Okay. Although that is the most common career for... Oh, no, wait. You didn't go to Florida for law school, did you? No. Sorry. I had, no, he... the, I had the spread in my notes somewhere, but... Oh, yeah, it would have been a touchdown. Florida wins by 27 plus the seven-point spread, so 34. It's right up there in shockingness. Yeah, uh, it, was, this... it, was, it was wild because a Big Ten team was slow. And thus... <laughs> and, and thus... Big Ten teams are considered to be slow for, I don't know, I would say at least another eight years. Eight's a really good choice of number, Spencer. Hmm. Just total coincidence, I'm sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we also had, that year, the, the big controversy entering the BCS was Michigan or Florida to face Ohio State. Michigan had just barely lost to Ohio State, so should they get another crack? They were. This was, like, what, the day after Bo Beckler had died, something like that? You know, heavy hearts. Give them another shot and all that. Florida got the shot because of its insane strength of schedule and Urban Meyer's endless stumping on that strength of schedule. And that ended up, you know, being the right call because uh, Michigan lost to number eight USC by 14. Also, we had probably the most beloved upset in college football history this year. Boise State beating Oklahoma. That spread, I was, I think, in hindsight, people have inflated that spread like Oklahoma's supposed to win by 48 points. No, it was again, it was like a touchdown, you know. If that much, uh, but still, like story-wise and ramifications-wise and all that, and the way they did it, it's still quite possibly the most special upset in the sports history. So, 2006 is bringing it. He also had two other decent ranked upsets, teams in the teens. Um, we're gonna skip ahead. Here's a surprise for you: 2018 makes the cut. We spent all season, well, not not we as in this podcast, because we will enjoy any stupid thing that happens in the sport, but a large portion of college football media and so forth spent the season whining about like everything is so chalky, nothing, it's, nothing dumb is happening, this is boring, this is bad. And you, I think a lot of people missed that bowl season went fucking nuts. Not only did Clemson have the spread in the title game wrong by 33.5 points, you had Texas beating Georgia as a 14-point underdog. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Can we go back to that? Texas beat Georgia? Texas beat Georgia, in fact. 
And, and folks, in case you missed it, uh, Texas was supposed to lose to Georgia by 14 points. And in fact, before the game, Georgia fans had been making fun of like all the other teams that lost their bowl games. Or No, no, no. That's what it was. Georgia was making fun of the teams that lost playoff semifinals. And then they lost to Texas as a 14 point, fa- point favorite. Pretty Georgia. Uh, but, let's yeah, see. They weren't, but they weren't motivated. Yeah, Motivation they just, they just is what makes care. all the difference. They saw yeah. that big. They saw that big cow, and they said, I, "I actually, I don't care." That's the same reason why you didn't get into Duke, Georgia fan. Wow. Ooh, uh, no, I'm sorry. They didn't get into Vanderbilt. <laughs> <laughs> that's no. That's because they their parents weren't willing to pay off the right people. Slightly. I, I didn't get into my first choice. Well, Augusta National is not a university. <laughs> <laughs> says who? Yeah, says who? Prove it. Prove it. There's plenty of unpaid athletes there. Wow, it's true. That is true. <clears throat> Uh, you also had again. Here we go again. Who beat Michigan by twenty six as an underdog? <laughs> is this the fifth year of football history? <laughs> that yeah. is correct. Yep, another successful year of Florida's short but meaningful football <laughs> history. Don't ever ever look at Florida favored by in terms of outcomes. Always look at underdog Florida. Yeah, yeah. Like based on this skewed history, Florida is just. Boy, that's a team you don't want to play. Listen, man, Florida Florida is the – somebody will go, Florida is just a nouveau riche college football power. And that's right because guess what? When you don't expect anything, bam, big bank. And then when we're favored, bankruptcy. <laughs> you know what new money buys? Jet skis. That's all, that's all the jet skis, man. You know who needs to wear a helmet on a jet ski? No one. You know what's a bad investment? Jet skis. <laughs> what are we going to buy with all this money? That's right. Jet skis. So the University of Michigan lost to jet skis <laughs> in, in the Peach Bowl. And then uh, you had Florida players motorbiking straight at Jim Harbaugh. Just small personal vehicles is the theme for the Gators. We're going to be favored by 20 in our next bowl game. Guess what's happening? Losing by 20. You're going to lose to Michigan. That's yeah, we're going to lose to Michigan again. Because we do play Michigan in a bowl game every other year. Yeah, we've skipped like four losses to Michigan. <laughs> To get to this, this was one. our first victory over Michigan in a bowl game, Jason. Yeah, that, that's just, and there's been many tries. We'd never, no, this is, it's not like this hasn't happened before. Shut up, well, jet skis. Florida jet lost skis. to the Michigan that had a uh, transitive loss to at least one Appalachian so State. Appalachian State. I forget if App State went undefeated that, that year, but I don't know. Florida might have had a transitive L2 Wofford or something. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we also had in 2018, we also had six other ranked teams losing to lower ranked or unranked teams. This was mayhem. This was total fucking mayhem. And everyone just sat around bitching about, oh, it's Clemson and Bama again, you fucking babies. Which brings us to the year 2014, the bloodiest blood week bowl season in the history of bowl seasons full of 2014. So to set the stage heading into bowl season. Remember the three big storylines of this season. One is this is the first year of the college football playoff. How's this shit going to work? We've sat around for two years debating like, okay, they've told us strength of schedule is important and everyone's got a shot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, conference championships matter. And like we had all these, everyone thought they had it figured out, but we had no idea how it actually worked until we actually saw the first rankings and all that. Um, this was also the year of can the- we, Can we pause on the first rankings just for a second there? Before we like, yeah, yeah, this I'm sort of like just, just, just to give everybody a taste, uh-huh. give me the top six in the first ever college football playoff ranking. 
So that drops. You're expecting, you know, if you're following the polls and whatever, you're like, surely they'll just have undefeated national champ FSU entrenched at number one. Just, you know, don't rock the boat. Don't do anything silly. But uh, no, bam, it's Mississippi fucking state (laughs) is the first ever number one in the history of the college football playoff. Followed closely by Auburn, (laughs) Ole Miss and Alabama all in the top six. That happens. Uh, the SEC bias chorus loses its mind for not bad reason. Paul Feinbaum is now 18 feet tall. Um, you know, we need to go back to BCS. <laughs> We've made it 30 minutes into the playoff era. We need to go back to BCS. So I think right there you have sort of all the storylines of the season. The SEC West is this like massive monolith. It's, it's maximum SEC West. And you also have aggrieved FSU fans. Like, our, 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 listen, we're 2012 Notre Dame, but we're undefeated, okay? <laughs> so like these three things are going the entire season um we enter bowl season the first first weekend or two is all right like you had the <laughs> we've talked about this about six or seven times on here but you know uh memphis and byu got in a fight in something called the miami beach bowl that no longer exists that's pretty cool i mean i guess that's a kind of an upset because it's a surprise and also everyone there was upset uh you had the first ever popeyes bahamas bowl uh which is a spectacular game at Chris on christmas eve at noon no one yeah. saw that coming. With with not one, not two, but three massive orange and white Popeyes flags flying over the stadium because uh, that was sovereign territory. This land day. is your land. This land is fried <laughs> land. It's 18 minutes if you want spicy. spicy. Um. So the big stuff really got going with, and this wasn't technically an upset based on the pregame spread. But nobody saw the result coming. Uh, we're going to the Texas Bowl. Oh, boy. All right. Um, Texas Bowl features Arkansas in year two of the Brett Bielema sex experience and year one of the Charlie Strong tenure at Texas. Um, let's start with the Hogs. So year one was rough. They did not beat any Power 5 team. That includes losing to Rutgers. But their schedule was pretty unpleasant. Uh, Year 2 did not start out great either. They lost their first uh, five SEC games, but then they beat LSU 17-0. So with two games left on the schedule, they needed to win one to get bowl eligible. I will spoil it and tell you that one of them was Missouri, and they lost. But they won the other game, which was, does anybody remember? I do not. Ole Miss. They beat Ole Miss by the score of 30-0. to zero. <laughs> Former game, CFP number three, Ole Miss. And we're going to get back to Ole Miss in a little bit here. Yes, uh, yes but, we will. <laughs> but briefly on that, in, in that game, the game that gets Arkansas eligible for any bowl, this one that they wound up in, uh, six turnovers by Ole Miss, four of them by Dr. Bo, two picks and two fumbles. The first shutout in this rivalry series since 1998. Somebody's going to yell it's not a rivalry, but guess what? If you lose 30-0, to zero, sure as hell is a damn rivalry. Um, so on the other side, they're facing a Texas team that also needed to close strong to get to a bowl game at all. Um, but fortunately, they go 3-1 and one in November. That's how they get here. So you're, you're sort of got two teams coming from similar directions. Um 
former SWC powerhouses that are trying to regain the magic of years previous with, I think at the time, like well-established, well-respected coaches who have had a rocky start. It hasn't been like magic straight out of the gate, but in the last month or two, their teams have been playing much better and have gotten some wins that people thought they might not have. I think this Texas team beat a decently ranked West Virginia team. Uh, and now that here they are in bowl season. And then the hogs just stomped the shit out of Texas. Does Texas, uh, Spencer, I'm going to give you an over under of 140. Do you think Texas had more yards or fewer yards? No, I'm going to change that. 104. More or fewer yards than that? I'm going to say fewer. 59 yards of offense, (laughs) two of which two rushing yards, three of 11 on third down. Holly, how many of the 60 minutes do you think Arkansas held the ball for? 39. 41! Jesus, what? (laughs) So at at the end of the first half, Texas is down 17. A game that is kind of out of hand, but, you know, it's not that crazy to see a team eliminate that deficit in the second half. Here is what they did after halftime. Three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, interception. <laughs> Every one of those three and outs had a, ended with negative yardage on the drive. It's one of the worst ass kickings Texas has suffered in a game where it should like it should have been competitive. Both of these teams were, you know, capable of playing pretty well, capable of uh, punching above their weight class at the time. And Texas just got fucking blown off the field. And and fortunately, Brett Bielema, uh, you know, launched off of that victory and is still Arkansas coach to this day. Mm hmm. Even once John L. Smith's recruits matriculated out of the program, <laughs> that's kept right. covered stock. That's yeah, right. send, send corrections to <clears throat> at thirty eight Godfrey on Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's the Texas Bowl. It's just a vicious, vicious God, open. two two rushing yards. Two rushing yards. Yeah, that's that's falling forward twice. That's just like falling completely forward twice. Yeah. Well, you know, at least you think of these Charlie Strong Texas teams and think, boy, they can really pass the shit out of the ball. So, <laughs> so yeah, they just leaned on their strength. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so before we get to the New Year's Six, which is where the real big fucking fireworks happen, here are a few other things. Uh, number 14 UCLA beats number 11 Kansas State. Uh, not only was this... Uh, a lower-ranked team winning. This was also the game in which Jim Mora got into a dust-up with Bill Snyder. A Donnie Brook. I don't know if anyone has ever done that in public before. Like, Bill Snyder's got an edge to him that he, you know, worked out of the brand over the last 10 or 20 years. But Number number 14 UCLA is a real weird thing. To and that's not even a Josh Rosen year. That's a Brett Hundley year. Jim Mora started real hot at UCLA. <laughs> he really did. And now he's, mm, is he on TV? Is that what he's, he's, probably, he's probably on your radio right now. Turn it to literally any station, and I bet Jim Mora is a, is a disc jockey on it. It would be awesome if he's on Atlanta radio. I do like that thought. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Thugger. <laughs> uh, you had, oh, more SEC West fun. By the end, you'll see that the only, uh, the only, the only flag bearers for the SEC West were uh, not the two teams you needed. 
uh, touchdown favorite Auburn number 19 loses to Wisconsin and number 22 LSU loses to an unranked Notre Dame. So then we move into the New Year's six and wait, wait, uh, can we can we back up just for one second? Yeah, I feel like we glossed over the Miami Beach brawl too fast. Boy, did we that that's the case for every episode. Yeah, because I, I would like to make a case here that in retrospect, we should have seen this one coming. Uh, we because we love to highlight the culture clashes between schools like Memphis and Ole Miss and BYU and everyone. And we love also to champion the scruffier ends of these clashes. But the problem with these two programs is that they weren't dissimilar at all. Uh, because he coaches a bunch of Mormons, Bronco Mendenhall has always gotten something of a national pass for fielding some of the nastiest nut-punching teams play-to-play that we have seen in this era. And here they come rolling up on Memphis in a baseball stadium that ensured that uh, one team's fans were seated behind another team's bench. And first of all, it's it's the inaugural Miami Beach Bowl. It goes into double overtime after Paxton Lynch throws a touchdown pass with less than a minute left uh, to end the game. But then I don't feel like we're marinating enough in, in the feeling of both a BYU player sucker punching a Memphis player in the back of the head uh, and a Memphis player using his own helmet as a melee weapon. Yeah, it got it was almost like that. The, the thing about that brawl is that it's almost like dying town and then uh kai nako comes over and absolutely blindsides a dude in the back of the head for memphis sale like uh, like the camera was right there too it wasn't like it wasn't one of those things where they have to use the telestrator to circle someone in the corner and then zoom in on it like here's this very fuzzy bad thing that happened nope framed up right in the middle of it beautiful yeah. I mean, you want your bowl game, I think, to be reflective of your regional identity. This is what I'm saying. It was so for yeah. both teams. Yeah, yeah. If a brawl was going to break out, this is the South Florida version. And BYU doesn't get enough credit for that. BYU's athletic director afterwards like apologizing, saying, we expect better of our athletes. I'm like, you shouldn't. They're coached by Bronco <laughs> Mendenhall. <laughs> can't drink, can't have caffeine. You're going to be mean. You're going to be ornery all the time. I have never felt closer uh, to, as a person who's wanted to fight Memphis football players on many a football afternoon, I've never felt closer uh, to that that little group of Mormons out there. Sale! Anyway, move on. (laughs) No, this is good. That that was my favorite moment of the postseason, and I just wanted to wiggle around in it for a minute. No, it's good. I, I, I shouldn't have breezed past this one. I think it's also important to note that these two head coaches now play each other every year in the ACC as state rivals. It's terrific. And I don't feel like I, I didn't watch a lot of Virginia football this year, but I don't feel like it's really it's really marinated through yet. Like, I don't feel like he quite has his bunch of taint punchers. You know, when they talk about a coach really needs to get his players in Bronco Mendenhall's case, that means I really need players who will shove their entire fist directly at the nearest gooch in the pile. That's, that's an important drill. In I, I think South Carolina might disagree. They, they might, they might say, Nope. Yep. Virginia does that. Yep. So he's yeah. basically, this is basically the plot of roadhouse. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying that between listen between Mendenhall's demonstrated ability to turn even the Church of Latter Day Saints uh, into a bunch of roadhouse extras and whatever the hell is going on with Fuente, 
I I have an interest in the Commonwealth Cup that I never thought I would have. Yeah, the only other coach I know who does gooch punching as a drill, Will Muschamp. That's right. <laughs> He's more that's of a gooch the, That's the name of the forward. offense. That, that makes a lot more sense down there. Like Will Muschamp is, has a very like gooch forward energy. <laughs> Body blows is two a, of our playbook. This is our con- <laughs> this is our concussion protocol. <laughs> Body. <yeah. laughs> See a force applied this way will even it out and reset it. <laughs> does your head hurt? Whack. Now your head How about now? By the way, just as an unrelated note, a guy in England uh, got hit in the gooch during a scooter accident and had a nine day long erection that they had to intervene with medically. So how is this unrelated to the Miami Beach Bowl? That's somebody might have walked out of there and gone, Doc, I got a problem. (laughs) Doesn't look like a problem to me, buddy. This is a terrific Alabama or England episode. Yeah. How is this not the episode where we're doing a dick pills read? How? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can make some up. No, please don't. Oh, come on. Jason, keep going. Some 2014 vintage. For men. So, let's start the New Year's Six with, all right, so the playoff era, it was going to be different. Little guys are going to have a chance, blah, blah, blah. We quickly learned that was a lie because fucking Marshall didn't get ranked until like week 13 or something. Okay, that Marshall season was trash, though. Yeah, I mean, they weren't that great, but like the computers like, y'all know thought I'm they should have been. usually on the other side of this argument, but that Marshall season was trash. Right, I'm not saying Marshall should have been in the playoff. I'm saying that Marshall team, the computers had them like, you know, 17th or so when they're unranked. Just, just put them... At the edge of the conversation, there were a lot of tra- there were a lot of trash teams ranked ahead of that Marshall team. Exactly, there's like fucking some like fucking. There's always a goddamn seven and four Northwestern team ranked like twenty third. The playoff committee fucking loves Northwestern, probably because they're also so impartial. Um, but like it, it, it set the tone just seeing this like pretty good, not great Marshall team being totally ignored as far as the little guys go. Um, they ended up going twelve and one, won their bowl, all that. That was fine. But then we had in the designated reserve spot for the mid-majors, we had the longtime standard bearer of that group. We had Boise State as an underdog in a Fiesta Bowl again. How's that tend to go? (laughs) So at the end of this real dumb year uh, in football, we decided that maybe as a nation, we decided that maybe Boise State wouldn't show up for the Fiesta Bowl. And... We like to talk about how the discourse havers of this land will take just the tiniest sliver of excuse to knock down the mid-majors, who we were still allowed to call mid-majors at this point, right? And anyway, the chances for haters to remove Boise from contention uh, in the 2014 postseason were there. There were a couple of them. Uh, Boise was out of Chris Peterson's hands for the first time in ages this year uh, and into Brian Harson's. They were playing Arizona in Arizona uh, for the Fiesta Bowl, and they had also lost twice, which is you know not something we usually allow uh, teams th- to do when they operate outside the Power Five. Um, the losses. We, we talked just a couple weeks ago about Boise coming into the Georgia Dome and beating up on Georgia in the Chick-fil-A kickoff that one time. Well, this year they had served as a bunch of orange horse-hatted Ole Miss Harbinger amused bushes, right? They got their asses handed to them uh, in the Georgia Dome. And then a month later, the real, the real stinger came. They lost to an Air Force team that had themselves just lost to Wyoming, a bad Wyoming uh, I think that Wyoming team finished like four and eight in 2014. And right, that's when you shelve your uh, group of five's major postseason interest for the year. But at the end of November, they start creeping back into the polls. 
They ended up with the first New Year's Six bid out of the G5. And here we go. And Arizona, meanwhile, had done this whiplash tango with Oregon, uh, knocking off the best Ducks team we'd seen in a while back in October in Eugene, uh, and then turning around and losing two of their next three games to both L.A. schools and then getting their doors blown back off by Oregon in what is honestly the worst game I've ever seen in person, the 2014 Pac-12 championship game. Although that is what I get for setting foot in the abandoned Old Navy that is Levi Stadium. Uh, so there are mitigating factors on both sides is what I'm trying to get at here. But honestly, y'all, it's the Fiesta Bowl and we forgot the faces of our Fiesta Bowl fathers and eight years removed from the time that Boise upset a higher ranked Oklahoma team in the Fiesta Bowl and five years removed from the time they upset a higher ranked TCU team in the Fiesta Bowl. Boise beats Arizona 38-30 on New Year's Eve. It took all of four plays, if I recall correctly, for Jay Ajayi to break loose for a 56-yard touchdown run. Uh, Boise would build up a 21-0 lead in the first 10 minutes of the game. Uh, And Arizona did claw back valiantly. There was like a third-quarter field goal off, uh, but they never caught him. Never forget, by the way, Rich Rodriguez goes 10-3 at Arizona, and people say, ah, he's got this thing figured out. Which he did, and that's why he's still coached there today. <laughs> this is—I like that this episode has uh, every coach would would be fine. That's the theme here. Yeah. We also cor- this was Boise to- State, who, I mean, I, I think it was sort of once we realized, like, oh, okay, there's nobody undefeated. Ah, just put in Boise State. That was sort of the vibe. But they also broke back out the Statue of Liberty against Arizona. They got they got self-referential in this thing, and I think it went for a touchdown again, if I recall. But either way, this was this was maximum Boise State. Uh, I'm sorry, I got distracted by news of bears showing up in a retirement village in Florida. It happens the vi- <clears throat> in the villages, probably. Yeah, how'd you know? Do uh, I have a news a, alert set up for the villages still? Yes, I do. A, my grandmother lives there, and B, it's the weirdest place in Florida, which is saying something. Is your grandmother a bear? I cannot confirm that she's not. Now that I think about it. Okay, it's fine if she is. Um, so as for this, uh, you know, again, this is the first year of the playoffs, still a big mystery. We're rolling in, you know, through the rest of the New Year's Six, and we're going to see how those snub teams, those teams that had high hopes but didn't make it, how things turned out for them. And we're also going to learn a little bit more about the SEC West. Fueled maybe by a little anger. bit about ourselves. Probably not. We're, we're, Probably not. No. Yeah. We'll, and love. Yeah, we don't, also we don't about love. The friends we made along the way. College football is actually a terrible place to learn about yourself. Don't do it. We're going to learn a lot to, more about the shutdown full cat, apparently, who was on one today. Go go to therapy if you want to learn about yourself. Don't watch bowl games. That's not the key. <laughs> Except for the cheese at bowl. Okay, yeah. You will learn a lot about your pain tolerance. <laughs> you, will, you will stare into the dark abyss and realize <laughs> that there is nothing waiting after you die. So Mississippi State, former number one as of like two and a half months prior. Uh, the, the greatest team in all of college football for like two or three weeks. They get Georgia Tech and uh, Georgia Tech's little bullshit high school offense. Uh, and uh, they got trampled by that shit, by the way. Bring the option back. Didn't they also get thrown on quite a bit? Yeah, they they uh, Tech rang them up a little bit. It was, it was just <laughs> awkward uh, it, all around. Everything, was... everything that could happen to Mississippi State did happen, right? Like... Oh no, I've fallen down this hole. Yeah, they did. Yeah, 
Oh no, there's weasels down here. Yeah. Is this a can of gasoline and a lit match? Probably. It's bees on fire. Oh my god, the weasels have my social security number. It's beezles. (laughs) Bees on parade. The weasels are made of bees. Beezles. I want you to know too. Jeff (laughs) Beezles. I want you to know, by the way, like it wasn't like Mississippi State didn't have their chances because they had 33 first downs in this game. Yeah, efficiency. Yeah, and they they still they still lost. That's the Th- most Dak Prescott stat I've ever heard. 33 first downs. In <laughs> <laughs> a loss. Yeah. The, by the way, like it was it, when you say, "Ooh, man," they lit him up through the air. Yeah, 125 yards passing on 12. They went pass wacky. 12 attempts wow, for Georgia damn. Tech. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, so the SEC West has been dented at this point. They've suffered, I think this is what, the third or fourth bowl loss so far. Uh, Ole Miss fans have a thing to chuckle about very briefly. I emphasize briefly. <laughs> because Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> they go, they, TCU, they went, this was, watching this game, was extraordinary because at no point did Ole Miss have a chance. There are games you watch oh, where you go, ah, you know, a few plays here, a few plays there. <laughs> you know, I'm about to add it up a little bit differently. No, you just saw the way their shoulders slumped after the first couple of plays. You're like, oh, yeah, no, this, these guys are done. I don't want to play football. <laughs> I, play. I want my just, mama. Like, these frogs are so fucking mad. So we're, we're, we're speaking, of course, about the TCU Ole Miss Peach Bowl. TCU. Blood everywhere. Not thrilled to be left out of the college football playoff. Uh, TCU a two-point favorite, by the way. So not technically an upset, but... Final score of this game, 42-3. to Emotional. Can anyone anyone tell me, closest without going over, include quarter and time left on clock, when did the three come for Ole Miss? It was definitely the fourth. (laughs) It was the fourth. Yeah, it was a sad field goal. With seven, with seven minutes left. It was so late quarter. that Ole Miss fans sarcastically cheered it. It was rough. <laughs> uh, Dr. Bo's stat line in this game, 10 of 23, 109 yards, no touchdowns, obviously, three picks, one fumble. It's how he would have wanted to go out. The way <laughs> the way in which, like, this, what really got me is that this led me down the rabbit hole of 2014 Ole Miss, which I don't know if it's the weirdest most up and down season in college football history, but it's way up there because this is the season where these things happen in order. They beat Alabama at home, ripped down the goalposts, arguably the biggest win in like recent school history, maybe ever school history. They beat num- right after that, they beat number 14 A&M on the road. They win the turnover battle four to one against LSU, but they lose this game 10-7 because with nine seconds left on third and two, what happens? They get a delay of game while they're lining up for a field goal with Gary Wunderlich, who, who Gary Wunderlich's lining up for a 42-yard field goal. He had made a 46-yarder against Bama. The next week, he would make a 47-yarder. But they get a delay of game, and they decide that they're, they're going to run a play. Dr. Bo throws a, like a pretty bad pick, and the game is over. A pretty bad pick or a pretty bad pick for Dr. Bo? Um, I think both. I think it's possible. a little bit of both. It's it's one where like the safety comes over and makes it pretty easily. The receiver never gets a paw on it. It's not yeah, it's not great. Um, but still, there was a point not too late in the season where the path to 
Ole Miss winning the West was still in play. They lost to Auburn, but as of November 22nd, they uh, Auburn had three losses. Ole Miss only had two. Bama only had one loss, but they had the tiebreaker. LSU had four losses. A&M had four losses. So really, there was a not impossible scenario where Ole Miss wins out, Auburn beats Bama in the Iron Bowl, Ole Miss is your SEC West and probably SEC champion. Um, two losses, probably not getting in the playoff, but who knows? Like, if that happens and a lot of other shit goes wrong, maybe. Uh, so that is when they played that Arkansas game, an Arkansas team that had one SEC win, and that's when they get this 30-0 ass-kicking that in some ways probably should have told us the TCU game, the TCU possibility was on the board because, like, this is just, <laughs> it's just so bad. It's really, really so bad that the same team that was capable of, like, having a possible playoff spot, and even after that was gone, a possible division division title, just, like, totally gagged it away against fucking Arkansas. Uh, yeah, also, you should... You, you should know this. Bo didn't know what he was looking at. If you want to go watch somebody completely lost, watch Bo Wallace against the TCU defense. He sacked five times in the first half. It's not great. No. It's really not great. Yeah. It's just... It, it, oh, the other thing we skipped over, the Auburn loss is the uh, Laquan Treadwell game, mm-hmm. where mm. probably the most... Uh, I don't know if it's the weirdest ending to a game, but it's certainly the most fucking heartbreaking that I can remember. That was a loss for there. all of us. Yeah. So so <clears throat> this team that has only lost until the Arkansas game in weird ways, of the four losses, two are like weird bad luck, maybe bad decision making in the case of one, and then just just got woodshedded. This, this, this uh, Peach Bowl is oof. It is not a close game. But I'm glad that you kicked a field goal with <laughs> seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Gotcha. <sighs> so the fallout here, of course, is uh, the Big 12 had felt snubbed by this whole thing. Um, Baylor and TCU had both thought we should, we you know, we should have been there in there at number four. Um you know, Ohio State got Ohio State got to jump up way far in the rankings at the very end because they're famous and popular. You know, whereas TCU only lost by three to Baylor, Baylor only lost at West Virginia in like a game that turned into nothing but like pass interference calls. A very strange. So like Baylor and TCU had decent cases. They hadn't played a very tough schedule, but there was no conference championship game at the time. There was not a thirteenth game, which you know this. That being a factor sent the Big 12 into like a, a like six year spasm, mm-hmm. you know, of overcompensation. I'm sure they've worked all that out now. They're fine. Yeah, yeah. They didn't. They didn't go and panic and add a 13th game. We're gonna we're gonna have an eight team double double elimination conference <laughs> tournament. My very favorite part about all this is, of course, that Oklahoma has twice clinched the playoff before conference title weekend, <laughs> meaning <laughs> they are now putting that on the line. Mm-hmm. And in fact, a couple years ago, this actually cost TCU a New Year's Six game, meaning it cost the Big 12 Conference money. Life's funny. Um, so entering Selection Sunday, 
as in after, you know, everyone's played their 12th and or 13th game, TCU in the Massey composite, which throws together every computer ranking, every poll. It had TCU up at number three before Selection Sunday, before they ate Ole Miss's head off. Uh, so TCU, after they whipped the shit out of Ole Miss, they are strutting around pointing at everybody <laughs> they got the money in the bank briefcase and they want to cash it in um they probably if you're going based on the eyeball test the numbers that type of shit and not just number of losses they should have been in the playoff over florida state and guess what everybody knew it too and then oregon went out and proved that <laughs> by kicking the shit out of uh, out of florida state in the rose bowl um however the playoff controversy didn't focus on florida state because they had the reigning title. They had zero losses. They tried very hard to have several losses, but they had zero losses. The playoff controversy focused on Ohio State. Uh, the other storyline heading into the playoff is, of course, the SEC is basically down to Alabama to defend its honor. Alabama as a 9.5 point favorite against Ohio State. Surely, Bama could salvage the SEC West's greatest season ever. Surely. Spencer, did that happen? No, Daddy, it didn't. <laughs> we needed you to come through. The cousins blew all the money on jet skis. Shane, Shane. Okay, I'm not going to stand for this jet ski slander anymore for you people. <laughs> You're from a landlocked state. What are you talking about? The rest Why do you think we need jet skis, dum-dum? The rest the- of the SEC West <laughs> built a house out of jet skis, and it got foreclosed on. I think just jet ski is just ocean for uh, Tennessee ATV. <laughs> Thank you. Old Miss went to Atlanta and they lost everything to a bunch of reptiles. That's true. <laughs> Turns out Dr. Bo was practicing without a license. This is so, hey, at least he was practicing. Yeah. Mississippi State, I don't know. We sent them down to Miami and they ain't come back. I'm worried. I'm worried, Clint. Yeah, but, yeah, but Arkansas, fuck Arkansas. They just got here. <laughs> They don't even go here. They beat up a stake. That ain't even a contest. <laughs> also, Texas A&M beat West Virginia. I don't give a fuck about a Big 12 game. <laughs> West Virginia's in the SEC, too, if you ask me. So that's a loss. So let me tell you the art of motivation. No, the art, no, keep doing the voice. The art of motivation is real important. We'll come. No, no, no. <laughs> Bonnie Blue will come back because she's got complaints. What? Um, the Dark. Very dark. The the Cardell Jones of the world happened. That's what happened. All right. Because Ohio State 2014 is all about the art of motivation, i.e. lying. Their entire season is a glorious lie because that, that doesn't sound like an Urban Meyer team. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's wild. They finish uh, by telling everybody that they didn't belong here because I'm going to spoil things for you. In case you don't know, they won everything. They're, they're the champs. And they finished by saying, well, we weren't supposed to be here. Okay, sure. <laughs> You're consistently one of the best five or six programs in the country. Nobody believed in us. The roster is stocked to the gills, right? With four and five star talent. And and yet, y'all aren't supposed to be here. Okay, well, how do you get to that point and even manage to stand on that lie for even a second before it collapses beneath your weighty and gifted feet? Well... Um, before you get to a Cardell Jones, you got to get to a JT Barrett and you got to start with the Braxton Miller because preseason, uh, in August, Braxton Miller starting quarterback for the Ohio state Buckeyes. Uh, he's out 
with an injury for the year uh, in practice. So after camp, they're down to their second string quarterback. Does it look like that? Yeah, yeah, it does look like that because after an initial win over Navy, uh, JT Barrett loses. Uh, okay, well, everybody loses. Yeah, sure. If, you know, if you're a freshman, you're going to have some growing pains. Uh, are you going to lose at home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To uh, to whom? Yeah, to Virginia Tech. They, they lost at Virginia Tech a 35-21 loss where everybody said, wow, man, Bud Foster figured things out with 4-6. They're done. Everybody just do that now, and you're going to beat Ohio State. That didn't happen. The rest of their season is pretty dominant. You know, they have an OT win over Penn State because Penn State's just not going to win that game. It's just not happening. Joey Bosa has one of the best game-ending game sacks you'll ever see in your life where he crumples his man like so much cheap crepe paper. It's beautiful. Then there's like a weird 31-24 road win over Minnesota. But other than that, pretty dominant, all right? There's a problem, though. In the Michigan game, which Ohio State won, you already knew that. But Ohio State won that game. What year is it? <laughs> yeah, uh, Michigan lost to Ohio State. You're not helping me. What year is it? <laughs> 2000 and – okay, so what year is it? Uh, they, they end up beating Michigan, uh, of course. But JT Barrett, who's performed pretty well down the stretch, yeah, he broke his ankle late in the game against against Michigan. So they're down to their third-string quarterback, okay? As the most talented <laughs> roster in the Big Ten, perhaps one in the country, uh, nobody, nobody expects them to be able to succeed with their third-string quarterback. Let me remind you, though, their third-string quarterback just isn't any dude. Nope, nope, I believe it's redshirt sophomore, Cardale Jones. 6'5", about 250 pounds if he Car, hasn't eaten Car that is in his name. Car. Yeah. <laughs> and Dale. His name is Cardale. <laughs> Cardale Jones. Known before this, by the way, for a 2012 tweet where he said, we ain't coming to play school. Spot the lie. Which Cardale wasn't wrong, even though in 2017, Cardale would later reference that humorously as he graduated with a degree from the Ohio State University. All he's doing is saying the quiet part loud with frankly a poetic cadence. To be fair, you don't to be fair, there are a lot of non football players at Ohio State who didn't This come is to play what I'm school. saying. <laughs> I didn't go to Tennessee to play school. So are they supposed to be there? I mean, yeah. Are they supposed to win from this point going forward? Maybe more accurately, maybe not. Right? That's that's the maybe not. They're talented enough. This team is built around Bosa for the most part. And uh, and Ezekiel Elliott in the run game. By the way, we won't forget about Ezekiel Elliott in that offensive line because they, they got some things to say. Three games. They, oh, th- this was the haunted downhill shopping cart season. That is correct. The haunted downhill shopping cart that was Ezekiel Elliott. Um, three games to a national title. First, they got to go to the Big Ten Championship against Wisconsin. I don't want to oversell Wisconsin. Okay? Not that that's a danger generally in college football, right? <laughs> Typically, we go... Typically we go, oh man, Wisconsin won that game? Yeah. Damn. Wisconsin, if 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 college football fandom are Christmas presents, like Wisconsin is the one that you can always get on the twenty third. Socks. Do it all at CVS. They're valuable yeah. and comfortable. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know. Man, Wisconsin socks. was favored in this game, might I add. Jesus. They were. They were because mostly of, because of uh yeah, quarterbacks. Yeah, the mostly because of the injury to Barrett. And in retrospect, not the least sane thing, right? Like they were ten and two. They they ended up beating three ranked teams, by the way, including the SEC West humbling a death march. Woo! They end up beating Auburn in the Outback Bowl in OT. 
Yeah, that 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 happened. All right. So this is a pretty good team. And um, what do you do when you have a a quarterback who who is starting and who coming into this game only had 17 attempts all year, only had 19 lifetime in terms of passing attempts? What do you do with him? Well, brother, you let him loose. Cardhill Cardhill only dropped bombs on Wisconsin. He only threw 17 passes, but he had 257 yards, including TDs of 39 yards, 44 yards, and 42. And when I say these weren't like catch and run, no, no, man. Cardell was going deep. He threw absolute jacks downfield for for sixes. Just a a 59-0 blowout of a Wisconsin team that stunned everyone and had everybody thinking, I don't know, man, Cardell played a flawless game. No way he could do that twice, especially when the next opponent, oh, that's right, the one guarantor of all fortunes and estates, <laughs> the Alabama Crimson Tide. Everyone else has completely screwed the pooch, but you, you're going to handle this canine menace. These dogs sent from the north. Carpet bag and hounds. That's right. That's right. Alabama. Now, how favored was Alabama in this game? 42 of 43 people at ESPN who were asked to pick this game picked Alabama. I'm going to quote someone unfairly because I'm pretty sure I picked Alabama in this game, too. But I'm not quoting me, am I? No. I'm going to quote Pete Thamel at the time of, of SI.com. Expect a low-scoring affair in which few in which special teams and field position become huge factors. The pick, Alabama 21, Ohio State 10. Yeah, by, by like the half. It was 21-20 at the half. Who is the one person who was right? Uh, the one person who was right was Aaron Ward there, Big Ten blogger. That's who was right. The, the Big Ten blogger. You can't even give him credit because he was being a homer, damn it. But, you know, shout a, a half a shouts out to you. I was, hoping, I was hoping it was going to be Poppy. So Yes. <laughs> I'm picking <laughs> Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, Jones. Jones in the game also, by the way. Complete, like Tom Herman. Tom Herman was on one. That would be current Texas coach and offensive coordinator for the Ohio State Buckeyes at the time. The one who let Cardale Jones loose downfield against Wisconsin against a seasoned defense like Alabama, full of killers, full of that pro style pattern reading genius that we know Nick Saban for. You'd probably want to limit him, right? You'd probably want to hold him because I don't know. Ezekiel Elliott ran for 220 yards against Wisconsin. Probably going to load up on him, right? And, you know, just just let Cardale do what he's going to do. They let him pass 35 times against Alabama. 243 yards, nothing huge, but the number of tackles that he managed to shed and the amount of trouble he managed to run himself into but then out of just gave him fits. It was absolutely beautiful. Just to tack that on, uh, the fact that he could move a little bit, it opened up things for like the actual story in this game, which was Ezekiel Elliott going off uh, like any Urban Meyer running back in most games. Only 20 attempts. Yeah, that's cool. He, he ran for 230 yards and two TDs, including the most humiliating moment. Like I think... There are moments when Alabama's been like got a couple of times, and the most humiliating moment is undoubtedly the most recent loss to Clemson, right? Boy, that's fun to say. The most recent Alabama loss to Clemson just comes off the tongue. It's the last game they played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's still mm, Alabama's on a losing streak, you say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, the most humiliating moment is Ezekiel Elliott ripping off an 83 yard long TD. 
because that doesn't happen to Alabama. They got they got bossed. Can they got say, pushed around. Can we get a through the heart of the South in like the 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 wailing uh uh Southern widow voice? There he was, <laughs> like the shadow of Satan himself. A tiny dervish, armed with the dagger that would cut us in twain forever soiling the legacy of the SEC and in particular the SEC West and not those poor Georgia crackers from the SEC East. No, their thin blood could not keep up with the high altitudes and pressures of our lineage. But even we failed in the eyes. Hold on, my accompaniment's dying. (laughs) Through the heart, daddy. 83 yards. I'm turning into Dusty Rhodes. Much better than any author I've ever read or been subjected to. A computer took Alabama's job. (laughs) God is my witness. I'll never let Blake Sims throw again. (laughs) Yeah, not not the cleanest game in terms of turnovers from anybody, but yeah, they they end up beating Alabama and advancing in a uh, in a 42-35 win over the Tide. An improbable victory. Uh, thus, yeah, they're not supposed to be here. They're actually still now. Oh, like, obviously, can you say that here. in your southern voice? The, we're not supposed to be here. <laughs> and and they weren't if you're Alabama because Ohio State beat the doors off you. It was a closer game than that. We don't got do, no doors. Don't. Do <laughs> it's a shanty. Them Yankees love stealing doors. The humidity is just fluttering right through my kitchen. Well, yeah, I say it needs something to play beer pong on. <laughs> Creeping in off the veranda like a palmetto bug. These vipers stole my Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> that was my great grandmother's door. And yet, and Yeti. <laughs> and yet, Tina. Oh, so that takes us to uh, the first college football playoff final played in the Gerodome. I will say I was at this game and the thing I remember most was one Marcus Mariota getting the short end of the stick as he did on a couple of key occasions. Two, we learned there's jail inside the stadium where you can see the field. Yep. From jail. So you can watch the game from jail. It's a better view than we have in the fucking press box. Texas, baby. At least you can hear it, right? Mm-hmm. Mark Helfrich it's- leaving jail. Hey, I bet the barbecue's good there, too. They're like, hey, you're in jail, but buddy, this is Texas. <laughs> Texas justice. Yeah, we'll give you a burnt ends. best served warm with baked beans. <laughs> what do you want for your last meal? You kill people who get killed, but kicked out of Jerry World? No, you only get one meal. Yes, <laughs> That's why Mr. We call Jones it demands it. Um, that, would be, that would be a matchup with the Oregon Ducks, who um, Oregon, man, Oregon was so close to just magnificence because they pull off a hilarious beating of florida state and then turn Gosh, around that was fun oh dear oh man, most fun i had that year are we glossing right over the whoop, 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 whoop. yeah watching Jameis winston run i think three miles backwards whoop, 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 whoop. it was beautiful yeah and then throwing the ball over his shoulder my personal yeah. favorite rose parade i yeah. want to put one of those like half marathon stickers on the back of your car with a little number only it's like Jameis's negative yardage yeah that, <laughs> that single just the diagram yeah. of it there's an eligible receiver back there in the tunnel. You'll people, hit him. People will understand. So uh, this is not a beautiful and memorable game. It really isn't. Um, th- there are a lot of things to say about this game uh, that it was pretty was not uh, because Ohio State fumbles four times. 
but being real tired and leaning on on everything, do they let Cardale just sort of wing it out? No, I mean, he has a pretty good game. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, the actual story of the 2014 Buckeyes, along with Bosa. Yeah, 246 yards, four TDs, a whopping 36 carries, which is why I'm convinced that like Herman left Ohio State. Urban was like, oh, we, do, we, don't, we don't do that. You used, you used a really effective player a lot. We just, we can't have that. It's against, it's against my principles, which are very serious to me at all times because I am Urban Meyer. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and uh, they, they, they clean up. Uh, Mariota still has a pretty good game. I think he's got 333 through the air, uh, you know, some change on the ground. But on the whole, yes, it, it ends up being a, a submission match, 42-20. Oregon can't move the ball in this game. The real the upset, half. though, in this game, only 89 fires were reported in Columbus afterwards. Only? Only 89. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. This is also, I believe, the game where you get the magical gift of puddles running out. With, is that the name of the mascot? I'm sorry, the duck. No, no, I did no, it. that is the name of the mascot. No, it's not the name of the mascot. Yes, I'm it is. It. No, I yes, don't want it the emails. Is. I wrote it's a puddles. story that's It's Dave Puddles, sir. That's you always told me it's Puddles. Please at 38 Godfrey on Twitter with your opinions about the name of Oregon's mascot, which is Puddles. It's Puddles. <laughs> now, I did not see this because I was not watching on television. Uh, I was there sitting in one I of... I Puddles at this game, actually. I forgot about this. The duck. And sitting Puddles. in a... Yeah, that's his name. He told me because he speaks. Mm-hmm. So sitting in the spacious seats, I did not see this because it was on TV. But after... Lady Antebellum sang the anthem. Uh, I the, do declare. <laughs> At last, a kindred spirit. Finally, our people have returned. <clears throat> to represent us in song, if not in presence. Listen to the last bleating warble of our civilization. Surely these students carrying our oppressor's flag, which we do still honor, uh, will not drop it. Yeah, one student tripped while running off the field and was dragged hanging onto the flag by the rest metaphor <laughs> so the bar for uh title games here was you had to beat vegas by 28 or more points if you combine ohio state's win over wisconsin which knocked out the big 12 over alabama which knocked out the sec and over oregon which also knocked out the defending national champs the average by which ohio state beat vegas was 36 points per game wow 